Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is Pastor Winfred Burns of Word, Worship, and Witness Ministries, and you have joined the Word on Wednesday. We have got just a wonderful, wonderful time uh, in the Lord plan tonight. And before we go any further, we want to bow our heads in a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, we thank you for another day's journey that we're glad about. God, it's not because of all of the things that happened that were so wonderful in our lives today. But, God, we know that your hand was in it, that you led us and you guided us. You you protected us, oh, God. You used us in a way that brought you glory. And for this we give you thanks. We thank you, oh, God, that you are no shorter than your word, that you said that you would always be with us and that you would never forsake us. And all you look for is for us to be faithful. And, Father, today we come confessing that there are times when our faith has wavered. But you, O oh God, every time we've wavered, you've steadied us and you've encouraged us, and so we bless you. Now, tonight, O oh God, we go into your word, and as we go into your word, we come seeking your truth. We come seeking to know you better. We come seeking to prepare ourselves and be equipped to serve you better, to complete your mission. O oh God, help us tonight. Speak to us as we go into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight as we go into the word, and I am just just so happy to once again be with you with the word on Wednesday. And I want to start start our clock so we can make sure that we honor the the thirty minute time limit. And now the clock is running. So when we started our journey, we started our journey and understanding that Acts is the continuation, part two, of the book of Luke. And Luke wanted to, had set out to write this treatise to Theopolis to encourage him that he might know that Jesus is the Christ. And when we went into Acts, the thing that we did was um, we connect, we showed the connections between the two books, and then we, for this first part that we're ending tonight, we talked about the community and the conflict and, and all of the things that would happen during this, these first nine chapters. And so that's what really, I'm trying to tie it off because tonight we'll end that ninth chapter will end this first segment. And so 
what I wanted to do just early on before I completed this is I wanted to make sure that we remain focused on the overall theme and intent of the book, and that is that Luke's purpose is to show that, number one, that Jesus is the Christ, and secondly, he wants us to see how the early church grew, how the gospel was spread, how God fulfilled his promise, and more importantly, how God is fulfilling his promise even today through the church at large. But more important to you, how you are a participant in the fulfillment of not only prophecy and, and promise, but also how, how, how you are to participate in that. You see, Acts can look as if it is merely the history of the church. But remember me saying early on, no, it's more than just history, and the word is dimensional, and the word is for yesterday, today, and forevermore, and that God's word does not return to him void. Because even when we, if we look at the prophetic dimension of his word, when a prophecy is fulfilled, most times it's only partially fulfilled because there are some future implications to a prophetic word. There are future implications to a fulfilled prophetic word. And you need to see that even as you go through Acts. Let me show you something. We think, some of us, if we read, the, the, especially, let's look early on in, the, in Acts, where where the apostles are called forward and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. If we read that just in its historical setting, the first thing that we would think, we would think is that, okay, so that's it. That's over. No, God is still calling disciples forth. He's still sending men and women out into the field He as apostles, by the way, but not in the but not in the sense of them being eyewitnesses to what happened, but instead fulfilling apostolic functions, that is, planting churches, overseeing churches, um, uh, being used in demonstrable, miraculous ways to, to, to show forth that this is God, that this is God working to usher forth miracles, and it's still happening today. The sick are still being healed today. The blind are still receiving their sight today. Men and women are still walking, and signs and wonders follow them. And so sometimes we think that when Jesus says, these signs shall follow them that believe, that they're only talking about uh, the apostles, Peter, James, and all of those guys. No, he says, them that believe. See, And so we need to just tie this all together and show that Acts is not merely just the historical record of the church, but it serves as a blueprint of what should be happening in the church today. 
that Paul and Peter and 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 Philip and and um, Prisca and Aquila they are not mere historical figures, but instead they serve as models of what God can do with those who yield themselves to the power of God. And so it's important that we tie all of that together. So what are we doing? First of all, we set out the framework and, and, and let everybody know this is what happened according to the Scripture. This is what the Scripture said. This is what happened back then. And then we say this is what it means. And then we go further and say, and these are the implications for the now. And so those are, it's important. And what is, again, go back. What is the purpose of Acts? The purpose of Acts is to show Theopolis, to show believers, to show non-believers how God worked his plan through the church. That is the purpose. You see, back then it was for Theopolis. Now it is for all of us. And it is to encourage us. It is to encourage us and to show us that, yes, we will suffer, but it also reminds us that if we suffer with him, we reign with him. It reminds us that he promised that he would be with us. It reminds us that he promised the Holy Spirit, and he has given us the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to enable us to advance the kingdom of God, specifically specifically to advance the word of God, the message of God. So now that we've got that focus in, let's turn to chapter 9. I, had, I, I wanted to make sure that, that Again, and I'm going to be doing this throughout Acts, mind you, that when we are going through the book, that we focus in on what the purpose of this book, what this book is saying. Now, I'll preach on this later. I guarantee you that, that you know, there are many sermons that have been preached out of Acts. My purpose in, tonight on the Word on Wednesday is not to preach but instead to teach, to lay the foundation so as you're reading, God can minister to you this word because, and you can receive with understanding. Again, this is not to, 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 to as they say, to elevate myself and put myself in a position where, where I am the end-all, know-all of everything. No, it is to position you to go before God, to ask God questions, to get with understanding, and for your communion with him. That's what this is all about. Okay, so enough of that. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. We left off last week um, with, with Saul, and we introduced Saul last week, and you know, we, we spent a lot of time just basically showing the circumstances of his conversion. And then also last week we talked about what he began to do when he was converted. We spent time showing you last week that and by going through Galatians that 
this was not an overnight thing, that the difference between um, verses, let me see, let me, let me look at the verse real quick, that literally there was a three-year time period that Acts does not cover because we said that in Acts, Luke summarizes what happened. And so that it was he condensed everything into a shorter time into a short timeline that makes it think like that makes it sound like three days he was with um at Judas's house and then Ananias comes along and then after he gets his sight and he eats, then he goes directly into the synagogues and starts preaching. No. We can't pinpoint the time but we know that this happened over a three-year period. And how do we know it happened? Because we went and we read Paul's testimony that he wrote where he explains what happened during that time in Galatians chapter 1. Okay? So we did all of that last week. We're not going to go back through that again this time. Now, we left off at verse 22, I believe it was, and so we're going to pick up right there. It says, "No, let me let me let me just go back and get a little runway for you." Um, here, let's go to verse 19b, or 19 rather. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, "He is the Son of God." And all who heard him were amazed and said. Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. So let me summarize that real quick and then I'm going to move right on. They were expecting Saul in the synagogues to come in, and their expectation was for him to go into the synagogues and begin to purge the, the, the synagogues of any who believed in what was called the way, the way of Christ. He, he was supposed, he had papers of extradition that would allow any who came in to go and, 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 and literally arrest them and take them back to Jerusalem to put them on trial. But instead of him showing up because of his encounter on the Damascus, Damascus Road, instead of him showing up with papers of extradition, he shows up with papers basically saying, look, you are free in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the Christ. The Savior that we've been looking for has come, and we crucify them. And he begins to reason with them through the Scripture, and they cannot win a debate with Saul because Saul begins to expose to them a word that he didn't even understand prior to him being filled with the Holy Spirit. He does such a good job at this that literally... They're like, wait a minute, hold on, this is the wrong dude. This is not what we expected. And even more than that, they are 
angry because he's upsetting the apple cart of Judaism, and because he's upsetting that apple cart, they turn on him. Verse 23, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Just like Jerusalem got too hot for the uh, 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 for the Hellenistic Jews, now Damascus. And remember now, the gospel is being spread. The gospel is being spread. The gospel was carried to Damascus by the unlikeliest of sources. Remember, he's uh, because remember now, what's going on? What's going on all around? Philip is over now in Philistine territory. The Ethiopian eunuch has has the gospel and is traveling down through um, uh, to Africa. Now what God does with Paul is he sends Paul. Initially, it's the high priest that sent him, but God is God's plan is behind all of this. His hand is behind all of it. He steers him up towards Syria, another enemy territory. Enemy territory, by the way, for the Jews, and he sends him northward. So literally, what we see in Acts is the spread of the gospel. And Luke is giving us some details about how the gospel is spread, how God used others to spread the gospel. Now, just like the gospel is being spread, opposition is spreading. Every place the gospel goes, they meet head on with opposition. And in this case, it's the Jews who oppose Saul, and they literally are planning to kill him, and they're going to run him out of Damascus. They're going to run him out of Damascus. And we'll learn more about that later. But they drop him out of a basket, and so he goes back to Jerusalem. And again, all of the details that you need to see in terms of the timing Turn to Galatians chapter 1 and begin reading at about verse 18. Here, verse 26, Acts chapter 9, verse 26, I'm going to keep reading. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. 
and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now, so what, what, what happened here? So Paul leaves Damascus. He escapes from Damascus. He comes back down to Jerusalem. In coming down to Jerusalem, he attempts to enjoin himself with the disciples, but the disciples uh, in Jerusalem won't know parts of him. Why? Because they know this cat. They've seen his work. Uh, they literally believe that what's happened is, is that Paul is going to sneak in, he's going to spy on them, and then he's going to turn on them. And so they're shunning him. I'm going to go back and I'm going to say something about all this in a minute, but because I, I got to, I got to stick, I got to stick with the word right now. But then I'll, I'll show you some implications of that in a second. Look, they're shunning him, but one brother comes along, and here we're introduced to Barnabas. Well, Barnabas comes back to us again because remember we met Barnabas just before we he was introduced before we uh, looked at Ananias and Sapphira, and it was Barnabas who gave, who sold the field and gave all the proceeds so everyone could have. Barnabas, whose name, who is the son of encouragement, comes and he places his arm around Saul and he ushers Saul into the community of faith and saying, no, here's what's happened to him. He's all right. He vouches for Paul, excuse me, for Saul, because we don't, we don't see him as Paul yet. And they, because he's disputing with the Hellenistic Jews, remember them? Because he's disputing with the Hellenistic Jews, the Jews who have the Greek background, the Jews who have moved to Jerusalem, the Jews who, uh, as they say, um, they're not the Hebraic Jews, but instead they have tendencies toward, they've got the Greek lifestyle. They, they, they've got some of those ways, and I can't go into detail off the top of my head right now. But anyway, those Jews, and they are saying, no, this guy ain't right. This guy is not right at all. And so, but they can't prove that he's wrong. They can't prove that, that they can't quibble with him when it comes to the scripture. Because one of the things that you're going to find out about Paul is Paul knows the book. Paul knows the book. When we get into deeper into his life, we're going to see how he was trained and who he was trained by. And you'll see that this guy is absolutely brilliant. But the long and the short of it is, Quiet the stuff down because there's, you know, this is Jerusalem. They've been run out of Jerusalem before, and here Paul's stirring up a mess again. And so they basically say to him, brother, brother Paul, um, look, we're gonna we're gonna take you out of the area because we believe that if in fact um, uh, that they keep all of this mess up, attacking you, that Rome is gonna come down on us again. And so it's safer for us, it's more profitable for us to send you away for now, for now. And so they put him on a boat and they send him away. Now, 
I want to I, I want I want to say I want to save my time because I'm gonna double back and I'm gonna wrap all of this up. But in the meantime, in between time, go to verse 32. Go to verse 32, 9:32. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydia. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. I want to keep reading because I'm, I, can, I can do this real easy. Uh, verse 36. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to, to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord, and he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. What, what's happening here? Again, what you are seeing is the spread of the gospel through Peter with signs and wonders following him to prove to the glory of God, that Jesus is the Christ. We don't want to read this as Peter being all with all the power that Peter has, but instead the power of God that God get, that God manifests through Peter by the Holy Spirit to bring people to Christ to show them the power of God. As you go about in your witnessing, there are times when God will do miraculous things through you. It is not for you to, 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 to be seen as somebody that's powerful, but instead to be seen that it is the power of God being manifested in you for the purpose of spreading the gospel. Miracles are validations, not of your power, but of the power of God. And God uses miracles to attract people in certain circumstances, so they can understand that this is God at work, period. And one of the mistakes that we make is that all of a sudden we will begin to attribute the power of God to a person rather than the power of God to an individual. 
excuse me, the power of God to a person rather than attributing the power of God to God himself. And miracles are a part of God's plan. And what do miracles do? They bring glory to God. Remember, remember that blind man? He says, who sinned? Was it the blind man or his parents? And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, no, it was neither. It was that God would be glorified. And the miracle, this man was set up to have a miracle manifested within him so that God would be glorified. It pointed to Jesus Christ as Savior. It pointed to God's plan of salvation for mankind. And that's what we want to see here, that God is continuing his, his march to advance the kingdom of God, and he uses miracles to attract people to the gospel, to, to attract people and help them see that this is my plan. This is my work. I am doing this. Amen? Now, so what do I want to say in, in getting ready to wrap it up? First of all, remember last week we talked about how um, how we have to be careful in picking the people uh, and and who we witness to as well because some people we just don't like, and so we basically say, you know, I don't like that person, I don't like his attitude, I don't like the way they look, I don't like their station in life, and so they can go to hell. And that person that we don't like. That person that we're scared of, as Ananias saw it, because Ananias said of Saul, uh-uh, I don't want to be bothered with that dude. That dude is a bad dude. But God, that was God's chosen instrument. When he comes to Jerusalem, when he, come, when he gets run out of Damascus, what happens? It was one saint that wraps his arm around this person and brings him into the fold and vouches for him. How many people in your church right now or in your sphere of influence right now who is standing on the outside looking in because we don't like, because the group doesn't like something about him? How many of us shun other people, even in the church itself, because, well, that's just not my cup of tea? How many of us are really welcoming to strangers Come seeking the Lord. That's something we have to pray about. Because I'm learning that the church can be a very unfriendly place. That when people come looking for the love of God, often what they get is the cold shoulder of the saints or those who are so-called saints because we haven't grown up enough to play well with others or we're scared of them. Or we think, you know what, they don't offer me anything, so I don't offer them anything. They can't help my status. They don't promote me. Uh, they don't do this. They don't do that. And eh, we shun them. We have to be careful about that. We have to be careful about that. Secondly, there are many of us who have stopped looking for signs and wonders from God because we have not trained ourselves. We have not trained ourselves to hope for anything except for a financial blessing. 
and we're willing to go through all kinds of machinations to get them. And the only time that we really look for healing from God, for God to manifest his healing power, to bring himself glory, is when we're sick or somebody close to us is sick, and then we just want God, oh, God, heal him, heal him, heal him, heal him. Is that going to get God the glory? How is that going to advance the gospel? And if you do get healed, will you come back and tell somebody about it? Those are things that we have to consider. God, if I'm sick right now, if I've got an ailment right now, let this sickness bring glory to you. Sometimes, guess what? He don't heal you because the glory is in your transitioning into life. And it's the way you transition. You know, one of the most, um, and this is going to sound no, I have it sounds. It just sounds that way. One of the most beautiful things that I've ever witnessed is a saint transitioning from this life to the next. There's something when as, when it's a saint of God who has their hope in God, who has their hope in God, who who trust in God, and they're getting ready to leave this earth and go on to glory. It's something about that. What a sweet scene it is. I mean, when they're lingering and they're taking their last breath, it's hard because, oh, we know they're leaving and they're not coming back this way again, but it's such a sweet thing to see God just usher them unto himself. That is is something. So we never have to be scared of death, saints. That's one of the things. So if God chooses to use us in that matter, we give him the glory. But if God chooses for his glory to raise us up, know for a fact that it is to give him glory to advance the kingdom of God. Amen? And so we're seeing now how in Acts chapter 9, how the gospel was spread and how it went north, south, east, and west. And we also see the opposition to the gospel. And the opposition to the gospel is coming from two basic sources. One, it's coming from within, specifically from the Hellenistic Jews. Two, it's coming from without, from the Roman Empire. And we'll get a chance to see more of that opposition when we move into part two, when we move into chapter 10. But in the first part, what we wanted to show you was, one, that God fulfilled his promise, his promise of the Holy Spirit, his promise that we would take the gospel uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, that we're seeing that happen now. We're seeing that God has, through the Holy Spirit, commissioned us, commissioned the saints to spread the gospel, and that he's empowered us by means of the Holy Spirit to take that gospel forward, signs and wonders following us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what this first nine chapters has been about. And why did he, why did he write it? to prove, to show Theopolis 
that Jesus was the Christ. Why is he writing it to Theopolis at this time? Because of the persecution that's going on throughout the Roman Empire. Amen? That's going to close us down for tonight. I pray that, that now you have this, this, this foundation to build upon as you reread Acts, and not only as you reread Acts, but as you go through the epistles. Amen? Let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We thank you for the time that we have spent tonight. We praise you, O oh God, for all that you do. God, how we bless your name. How we praise you. Father, forgiving us just the basic understanding, not of just what you did, but what you're doing through us today. Father, we pray that we can be faithful servants, that we can carry your word, that you could trust us by the power of your Holy Spirit, not to take the glory onto ourselves, but to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, forgot to ask if you had any questions. If you got any questions, you need to speak up now. Any questions by anybody? Uh, for those of you who are listening on Global Drive, 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. For those of you who are looking on Facebook Live, all you got to do is pop the question up on the screen. Going once, going twice. Well, that's it for tonight. Just one last, one brief announcement you know that we are, have entered into the Exodus series. We started it Monday. So far, we've released Exodus 1, 2, and 3. Uh, tomorrow's 4. Plenty of time for you to get in and get in early because this daily appointment with God is something else. Oh, if you are worried about deliverance, if you're in bondage, bondage no, I'm not preaching. I'm just, I'm just, we're just going through the word. And letting God speak to us. Yes, I am a preacher. And soon, very, very soon, I'll add the sermonic content uh, to go along with this. So on the weekends, on Saturdays and Sundays, you'll have a sermon that will, uh, that will ride right along with the Word. It's not time yet, but it's coming soon. So join us uh, in that series and enjoy yourself in the word again you know what we're going to do all the time nothing but the word nothing but the word nothing but the word see you next week with the word on wednesday have a blessed evening good night